Well, good evening, church man. I'm glad y'all have tuned in tonight for this session we're going to have on the spirit of life about salvation and everything God's bought for you. So get your Bibles, get your notepads, get everything ready, and we're going to pray and then we're going to get started. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. So Heavenly Father, we just praise you tonight that as we come before you, let us thank you for the word of God. Lord, you said your word's a word that nothing can stop. Your word is always going to go out and accomplish everything that it's set out to do. It never returns back void. But Lord, I just praise you tonight that as the word is preached, that there's ears out there to hear the word, that hearts are open, ears are open. Lord, our spirits are alive unto you. And as we go through the word, as we seek your face on this topic of salvation and what you've bought for us, Jesus, with your blood. That eyes are open, Lord, and people see things they've never seen before. That there is an excitement that is birthed from this message. That comes across to the people, Lord God, that they tell their neighbors and tell their neighbors and the neighbors tell their neighbors and the neighbors tell their neighbors. And it just goes out as a giant ripple effect of people coming to Christ and getting into fellowship with him. And so, Lord, we praise you for it. We thank you for it. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for the anointing of God moving this night in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So praise God. Uh, I, so like I said, you need to get your Bibles out. You need to get your notes out. I really want to ask you all to take notes and just so you have stuff to go back over. Now, tonight's our third session that we've done uh, on this. And so I, I really can't review and go back because if I do, I'm never going to get anywhere. And we're trying to do this over the next 14 weeks. And so I just encourage you, if you missed last week's message, go listen to it again. I encourage you to start listening to all of them. They're only like 30 minutes long and just to keep keep yourself fresh and abreast of what's going on. But just a little little tidbit. We started because this is all about salvation. It's called the spirit of life because the Bible says that the spirit of life is on the inside of us through Jesus Christ when we got saved. So we looked at look what went on in the garden and we looked at how beautiful the garden was and how glorious God did everything. And then, of course, came the fall of man. And the separation that man had from God. But then God already had a plan. He already had a plan to put it back together. And so we've looked at that and we've gone. And I want to go to Romans chapter 8, verse 2 tonight. Romans 8, 2. And I want to read that to you. It says, for the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now look what it says. The spirit of the law, or for the law, the spirit of life, man, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, what's he talking about here? Well, he's talking about this, that, that this whole thing that took place at the fall of man, this black plague that came on the world, this curse that came upon the world, all from the garden that descended upon mankind that separated us from God, separated us from the life of God. So let's look at this. See what the, the, the scripture tells us. Romans should go to Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Romans 5, 12. It says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, thus death spread to all men. Wait a minute. You see, Paul is talking to the church at Rome, at Rome and he's saying, look, you got to understand that when they made this uh, what do we want to call it? The curse, or they made this mistake, or they made this sin in the garden, the curse came upon the world. What they did then, it went over the whole world. It went over all of mankind. 
I'll read it again. Therefore, just as though one man's sin entered the world and, the, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there's no law. Okay, so you got to understand this, this concept of what, what Paul is trying to get across the Roman church. And if you grab hold of it, it'll really set you free. Because the curse that man did in the garden, the sin, the original sin that took place, because Adam did that and Adam was given dominion over this earth. Now that he's had dominion over it, he's transferred the, 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 the dominion of, and his power and authority basically to the devil. Because the devil then is ruling over everything. So then this began to spread over all mankind. But then it's like mankind didn't know what was going on. It's like they didn't understand why there was broken fellowship, didn't understand what was taking place. So the law came in. So when the law came in through Moses and God started writing, because it's more than just 10 commandments. When you hear about the law of Moses, it's not talking about just 10 commandments. It's talking about all the covenants, all the ordinances, everything. I mean, just go read the book of Leviticus, man. You know, I mean, it is, it'll bog you down just reading all the things you're supposed to be doing. And God was doing that to show man. And matter of fact, let's go to Leviticus. Go to Leviticus chapter 20, verses 7 and 8. And let's look what it says. So you understand what God was doing. He says, consecrate yourself there for and be holy. For I am the Lord your God. And, I shall, and you shall keep my statutes and perform them. I am the Lord God who sanctifies you. The mark God said is, look, I'm holy. Holiness, total and complete purity without any sin, without any, any uh, offense, without anything. I am totally pure. The mark is holiness. That's what you got to have. And so this is the law going to show you how to be that. And so bottom line is man said, I can't do it. There's no way I'm going to be able to do it. But man has this ability to think that he can't do something that when he, he can't do it. So look at Romans chapter 3, verse 9. Romans 3, 9. Now, this is a little long. I'm going to read 9 through 19. But I want to show you there's what we call the 13 indictments against mankind. So if you think you got it made, you think you're close to perfection, you pretty much got it all down, somewhere in these 13 indictments, you're going to become guilty. Romans 3, 9. It says, what then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. See, note that it says they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. And with their tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursings and bitterness. Their tongue, their feet, excuse me, their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And in the way of peace, they have not known. 
There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. So these are like the, these are the 13 indictments somewhere or another. I mean, have you ever spoke with a sharp tongue to somebody and hurt somebody's feelings? Okay, the poison of asp. You're guilty. There's no way you're going to get away from it. Have you ever thought an ungodly thought? Have you ever been angry at God? Have you, you fall under those 13 indictments right there. And so those 13 indictments, they stand out like they're in the world. And God's saying, you can't do these 13 things. Let's just say that. Let's just say there's just 13. There's a lot more. But let's just say this is 13. If you don't do these 13, then you'll make the mark of holiness. But no man could do it. Because in our flesh, we do not have the ability to serve God. Serving God in your flesh by just works, all that is, is religion. And religion is always going to get you in trouble. Okay? So I want to go to another scripture here. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. I want to keep making this point that you have to understand that you because I've heard people say to me before, well, pastor, I've never done anything really bad. I'm not I don't have a great testimony. I've not done anything like these other people. They did these horrible things. They, you know, committed this and committed that. And they you know, and I just don't have that kind of a testimony. I just always have been pretty good all my life. It doesn't make any difference how good you've been all your life. You're still under those 13 indictments. You still miss the mark of holiness. And the original sin that took place in the garden has still fallen upon your head. And you have to have redemption. And I think that's where the world's going today. The world is making a mistake by thinking, if we, oh, we'll just be socially acceptable. We'll just do what we want to and everything will be okay. And, and, and you know, I'm not, I didn't do anything bad. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help the environment. I'm trying to do these good things. I picked up cans on the side of the road. But folks, there's still this sin that started in the garden that fell over mankind that's still over the whole face of the earth that has to be dealt with. So 1 Corinthians 15, 22. It says, for as in Adam all died, even so in Christ all should be made alive. So the same sin that came from the garden that came over this world, over all of mankind, that made all men guilty because we weren't going to be able. Those indictments are going to be against us. No way we we're going to be able to get out of it. All that was hanging over us as it did with Adam said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's something in Jesus that does the same thing. It works the same way. That all can be saved, all can be walking back into fellowship, all can get restored just like it took place. Adam brought death, Jesus brings life. Okay, so Jesus really gave us the greatest story in the prodigal son to, be in a, to understand what has taken place in this whole situation. So let's go there and look at it. Luke chapter 15. And actually, I think I'm reading verse 1. Luke 15, 1. I think I messed up my notes. Yeah, I'm reading. I'm, no, I'm sorry. Luke 15, 11. <laughs> I have my gla didn't have my glasses on. I can't see. There was two ones there. Luke 15, 11 through 24. And he said, a certain man, this is Jesus telling the story. He's trying to get this right. Now, just, just listen to me before you just start looking. You may know the story of the prodigal son, but don't get ahead of me. Just listen to me and let me follow you through this. Because just thinking of this as the curse upon the world and man needing redemption, 
Look what Jesus tells us. Then a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed into a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Now, just look at this. The, young, the younger son, he broke his fellowship with God, right? His father broke his fellowship with his father, went and did what he wanted to go do, what his flesh wanted to go do. That was his, his deal. I want to go do this. Didn't make any difference if you think it's good or not. Then he goes out and he goes into a, a foreign country. All right. He separated himself from God, but he was in a foreign land. And so now it says not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far camp. And then he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Now, when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land. And he began to be in want. And he went and he joined himself to the citizens of that country. And he sent him in to feed the swine. And he would have gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. Now, there's an old saying. I mean, I don't know what preacher ever said it first, but we've all heard it. You know, the sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer and Let's see, you keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay. And <laughs> this kid, that's what he's experiencing, separating himself from the love of God. There isn't a person that I've ever run across in life that said, man, I, I am a sinner and I'm just, man, it's great. Because the longer you stay in it, the more trouble you get into. The next thing you know, you know, oh, it was, it was fun. It started, but now you're addicted. And then you got into this problem. And then you got that problem. And this person's mad at you. And that one hates you. And, this, and it just gets into be a big mall because sin never pays off. Well, this young man here out there in the world, he's there. He's, man, it's costing him everything. Now he's trying to just eat with the pigs. Now, that's tough for a Jewish boy to be wanting to eat with pigs if you've gotten that bad, okay? But it says this, this uh, word right here. But when he came to himself. <clears throat> Listen, the world has got to come to itself. It's got to realize the insanity that's going on. And they have got to come to themselves and wake up. And that's what salvation is. Salvation starts when the spirit of life comes in you. When you come to yourself and say, man, this is not right. And you turn to God and repent. And the moment you do that, then that spirit of life comes on the inside of you because Jesus removes the curse by his blood because he paid the price for us. You re he removes that curse. And then all of a sudden, you are free from the law of sin and death. Wow. It's just like Adam caused the sin to go upon everybody. When you turn to Jesus over here, then boom, it comes rushing in and life comes into your life. So look what the guy says. He says he uh, came to himself. He says, and look what he says. How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I'm perishing with hunger. I'll go in to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of the hired servants. So he rose and he came to his father. Now think about what he's doing. He's going back to his father, which if he had stayed there, would have been the, you know, the ranch would have been his. The inheritance would have been his. But now... 
He's going back saying, man, life is so bad. It's so bad out there in the world. It's so bad. The world's eating me up, chewed me up, spit me out. And so I'm going to go back. I just want to be a servant. I don't even care about being a son. I just want to be a servant because my father takes care of his servants better than I'm being taken care of. That's his mindset. So he goes back. It says, so, and he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, this is so beautiful. This is so beautiful. When he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion. And he ran and he fell on his neck and he kissed him. See, see, folks, salvation we're talking about is already God's plan for mankind. The Bible says that God wishes for every man to be saved and that spirit of life to come on the inside of me. He's still looking on the porch and looking down the road and wanting people to be back in restored fellowship with him. Just like he was in the garden with Adam to be able to walk and to talk and to, to, to have life. And the father's looking and Jesus is telling this story. And I know there's people standing there day like, what's well, a nice story, but never themselves coming to themselves, never getting the revelation. And that's why I'm so hard just preaching this message for 14 weeks, because I want to see people understand what salvation is and what God is offering you. It says here he came. He ran. He had compassion. He ran and fell on his neck and he kissed him. Now, does that sound like an angry God? Does that sound like a God who wants to hurt you, wants to take things from you? No, it sounds like a, the, the amazing thing is the creator of the world, the creator of this world and everything that we see around us. He wants to run and kiss you on the neck because you turned and came home. Wow. So the son starts his speech. He says, and Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, bring out the best robe put on him. Put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here, kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Do you see that the father never addressed the son's ridiculous idea? He never looked at him and said, what now? What is that? What do you want? Well, no, you're still going to be a Muslim. He never even, it's as if the kid was talking and the father didn't even listen. And so the kids say, Father, I just want to be my servant. And I want to tell you something. What people don't understand is God has greater things for you than you can even imagine for yourself. And God wants to bless you more than you could ever even imagine in your life. But the problem is with us, we're not, we haven't come to ourselves. We're still trying to do things by works. We're still trying to do things the wrong way. We still not, have not understood what salvation really means. Okay. So I want to go to another scripture here. Go to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, folks, listen to me. Salvation. If you're asking yourself right now, I wonder if I'm saved, then I want to tell you something you're probably not. Because when you've made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life and, and the weight of the sin of this world has been lifted off of you and you know that you've been made right with him. And so down inside of you, you know that you know that you know that you're right. 
But that, that brings peace right there. But it all takes place by faith. It all takes place when inside of your heart, you're like the sun, you come to yourself and you say, man, I'm not, this is not right. And it has to take place in your heart. It can't just take place because you're taught in a classroom and then at the end of it, you say, okay, I'm in. It can't happen because you come to the front of the church and then they, they, they give you a letter and said, yes, okay, you've accepted, you've joined the church. You're, yes, you've joined the church today. Matter of fact, it's this kind of a scary thought. You can't come to the front of the church and say, uh, Jesus, I want you as my Lord and Savior because it's, and it's all thought out in your head. Because salvation takes place in your heart. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Faith takes place inside of your heart. And I, 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 I'm, I'm troubled sometimes because I look at people and I talk to people and, I, I'm, and I'm thinking, hmm, I wonder if they really know what salvation is. Because when salvation happens, your whole world changes. If you're living in darkness and all of a sudden the light's turned on, boom, man, you're going to see everything different. Everything looks different. I mean, just imagine if you're in a room that is completely dark and you, you, you maybe are, you're trying to make out objects and stuff and the light turns on, everything looks different. And see, that's what the devil wants to do. That's what sin does. Sin takes us and it blinds us. And when you're living under the world, under the curse, you're blind. You, you, you're, you're deceived and you're blind. You can't see what he's doing. Now, as you go along in your walk with salvation, what people also miss is that they think that every time they make a mistake, they've lost their salvation. But that's not what the Bible's teaching. The Bible's saying that every man has to deal with that original sin, that original curse that came on the world. Have to realize they're a sinner, that they're born in sin, and that they're going to be living in sin, no matter how good of works that they do. And there's nothing that can save them except the blood Jesus. There had to be a sacrifice that could go in and overcome all this, the sin that was there. Had to come from somewhere. And so God sent forth his son and Jesus came and he went to the cross. And when he went to the cross, he was buying back or redeeming mankind from the original mark of the curse that Adam and Eve had brought in the garden. So when he did that, he opened up the door for every person in this world to be saved when they believe in him because he's the only one that has the ability to pay the price for that sin and for your sin or my sin and, and then blot it out. Blot it out in the accounting book that you no longer owe the debt for your sin. <laughs> wow. It's like if you've ever bought something on credit and you make all the payments and you go through the little payment stub book or however you did it and you make those payments and every month you're trying to get that money and you make that payment and every month you get that payment and then all of a sudden the day comes when it's all paid for and then you get the title or whatever it would be, you get that into you and then all of a sudden you've got it and all of a sudden it's yours and I'll say, woo, man, you're, 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 you're rejoicing because man, you don't have to make another payment. Well, that's what it is. The payment for sin has always been in debt and there was no way to pay it off. But Jesus stepped in. And when you say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you paid the price for me. I believe that my debt has been paid. And God, I thank you for your blood washing me and cleansing me. Then all of a sudden, 
the spirit of life comes in you. And when that spirit of life comes in you, oh my goodness, everything in the world changes. And so that's what the world's got to come to. That's what the world's got to see. That we've got to understand that salvation is paying the price for the original sin. So therefore you are free. Now you've been like the, the young uh, son was. You, you've taken back out of that foreign land. And now you're oh, back over here in the kingdom of God. Where the blessings of God are. Where the ring is and the shoes are and the fatted calf is. And things are great. Because, man, you don't want to live out there eating pig food. And so I just want to encourage you tonight as I close that look inside your heart and ask yourself the question. Do you know that you know that you're saved, that your price has been paid? The curse is not upon you because the Bible says with a, a curse without a cause can't light. So if you're out from under the curse, it means mm, it can't touch you. That anything that the devil would want to do or any wickedness he'd want to play, it, it can't touch you because it's not a part of your life. And ask yourself that question down inside your heart. Are, am I right with God? And if you're not, well, listen, it's all in Jesus. You don't have to panic. There's a redeemer out there that says, I'll take anybody who wants to believe that I'm the son of God and I rose from the dead. He said, I will take anybody if you just re will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Wow, what a deal. What a deal. And so I just encourage you, search your heart. And as I close this session out in prayer, then look in there and call out to Jesus and then watch how the lights get turned on. So, Father, I just declare tonight as we finish this session, Lord, I just ask you to bless the people out there watching and listening to assure in their hearts that they know that they know that they know that Jesus, you are the Lord and Savior of your life and that they have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Because it has no right, has no power over them because they're not under the, the law, they're under grace. And so, Lord, I thank you for that. I ask you right now, anyone out there that is, is searching and seeking, Lord, as they call out upon the name of the Lord, that the Spirit of God will touch them and bless them right there where they are. And so, Lord, I give you praise for it. I thank you for it. Lord, bless them. Bless their their businesses, bless their families, bless their tithes, their offerings, Lord. Bless them as they go about this life because, Lord, they're just like the prodigal son. They're home. And, Lord, they got the ring on their finger and the shoes on the feet and eating the fatted calf and being merry with the Father. So, Lord, I thank you for that. Bless them now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you, church.